Welcome to another episode of the Justin Giants Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Victor Perez, recording episode 47 on October the 12th, 2021. You guys are hearing this on October the 12th as well. It's 1.30 in the morning when I'm recording. I really wanted to get an episode out, so I'm sitting here recording super late. (laughs) It is what it is. Uh, It's the winds of change are blowing here in Vegas. Uh, I know this is a Giants podcast, but there's a lot going on out here. And I'm not talking strictly about, you know, John Gruden uh, resigning, quote-unquote, being fired from the Raiders. Uh, I mean that noise you hear in the background or 80-mile-an-hour gusts that we get when the, season ch- when the seasons change. So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll have a little background, you know, all-natural background music for this episode. Anyway, today we're going to talk about, you know, the loss, of course, the Dallas, kind of just recap the game. I'm going to go over a couple of uh, plays uh, that really jumped out to me, and then uh, we're going to see, we're going to take a look at how I did on picks. So just jumping right into things. Uh, So how did the Giants lose this one? I mean, I expected it. It hurt way more for multiple reasons than, than... uh, I thought it would, but it's still it's still a loss. It still hurts. Um, I mean, the obvious reasons are because all the injuries, you know, not scoring enough. You've also got the fact that the Giants didn't score on either turnover they recorded. Both, you know, uh, recovered. Sorry, uh, both were in the first quarter. You know, the Carter interception ended in a missed field goal by Gano. Gano lo, no lo gano, you know, uh, and the fumbled snap ended in a three and out. Shit, uh, if if Glennon doesn't throw a garbage dick interception in the third, the Giants would have won the turnover battle this week. And they would have had no turnovers if, you know, again, Glennon doesn't stare down Colin Johnson. I'm pretty sure it was Colin Johnson at the end of the game. Or, you know, if he had read that Diggs was in soft man and, you know, waiting for the comeback because when does Jason Garrett not call, you know, a curl or a comeback at the sticks? But anyway, I'm digressing a bit on that. They didn't capitalize. End of story. They didn't capitalize on opportunities to get ahead on the scoreboard. Uh, the other obvious but not as obvious, I guess, reason is, uh, maybe this is just me, but the Giants just straight up got bullied. And I, I say it's obvious but not obvious because it's obvious they got bullied. You know, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the Giants didn't play hard for 60 minutes. Uh, some might argue they played for hard for about 50, but I think they played hard for 60 minutes. But the Cowboys uh, played like they were trying to hurt someone. And that's the not-so-obvious bit that I'm alluding to. Now, when I say that um, I don't mean that they were trying to injure anyone, although <laughs> digression, like usual, um, I feel like there were a couple of cases where they were. I mean, there was the punt with, what, 8.52 in the second quarter, you know, where, where Nick, uh, I think his name is Nick Ralston, uh, tried to take a cheap shot at Board, who was already downed. 
and what you think you're just uh, I forget who the I forget if it was Casey or who, uh, but the defensive back that just that Saquon tripped over. You think that just randomly happened? You think he just randomly bumped into him? Like I'm not trying to say that. I'm not nuts, you know, I'm not saying that he meant for Saquon to accidentally step on him and sprain his ankle, like, who plans for that, this isn't the fucking Batman, alright, but dude looked right at, like, if you look at it, dude looked right at Saquon uh, from the other side of the play, saw he was looking, saw Saquon was looking the other way, and just, you know, casually ran right into him. You know, he, he these guys were, were being bitchy the entire game. Uh, they were they were taking chip shots, cheap shots here and there. I mean, shit, you got instances of uh, Randy Gregory throwing solder around after the whistle, shit like that. But for the most part, the Cowboys were playing like they wanted to crush the Giants. It's, it's just that simple. Um, maybe I'm looking for a reason. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm just trying to make sense of this. Uh, But it didn't feel like the Giants played with that kind of vicious edge to them. And I guess that's that's to be expected of the Joe Judge era, right? He promised us that they would punch guys in the mouth for 60 minutes. But he also wants them to play clean. He doesn't want to be, you know, a dirty team. But, I mean, shit. If the Giants are trying to punch Dallas in the mouth for 60 minutes, Dallas was trying to throw haymakers to the temple. That's all I'm saying. And injuries uh, really fucked us this week, right? Radarius Williams got the shit under the stick. He's out for the season with an ACL tear. I swear a lot on this show in case you didn't notice, and that's because pretty much nobody listens, and the few people that do listen I'm sure aren't children. So I'm going to continue to swear unless I get a complaint, all right? Um, anyway, uh, he's out for the season with an ACL tear, and I know some of you are all like, oh, whatever, he wouldn't get it anyway, but yeah, cut the kid a, fr- a fucking break, all right? He's a rookie six-rounder. He was bound to struggle in his first year. All right, it's only weird uh, when they're when they're great right out of the gate, rookie corners, okay? Uh, Andrew Thomas didn't get injured, but he didn't play because of the ankle injury, which... By the way, I think Pert is going to start over Solder at right tackle moving forward as soon as Thomas is, is back. Um, but that hurt us. Saquon went down early uh, with a low ankle sprain. Galladay got taken out by the coaching staff as soon as his knee got stiff. You know, And uh, DJ's got a concussion. I, I saw this crazy... Sorry, side note. Again, digressing, it happens a lot. But I saw this crazy insinuation on Twitter today, or after, you know, I had dinner today, uh, that somebody somebody insinuated that uh, uh, Solder being at left tackle is what led to the injuries to Saquon and DJ. And it didn't look like a fake account. It just looked like someone talking out of their ass. So if any of you got that notion, uh, you missed the game because neither one of those had to do with with whoever our starting left tackle was, all right? One was a, a freak accident after a play, and then the other one really is on uh, uh, Martin, Wes Martin and uh, Kyle Rudolph, not f- fucking uh, continuing their blocks and, and locking guys in tight at the goal line, all right? Is the exact same play a bunch of times. You know what the option on that is. You know what uh, what other kind of kinds of runs you run out of that. You knew what the play was. Fucking lock your guy up. Sorry. Okay. I'm not gonna go on a rant for 30 minutes. I swear I'm gonna get back to it. 
<laughs> if someone needs to be strung out uh, uh, in front of, you know, in front of the practice field as a warning to everybody else, you know who my two nominations are for that. Um, anyway, yeah, Saquon went down early with a low ankle sprain. Galladay got taken out by the coaching staff as soon as he his uh, hyperextension, uh, hyperextended knee that he was dealing with started to get stiff again. DJ's got a concussion. Uh, by the way, if I can go back a second, if anyone from the Giants is listening, please, please do not rush Saquon back, all right? He rushed back from that high ankle sprain two years ago. He wouldn't write until December, Okay. Uh, we don't want that this year. Let the fantasy owners cry like little girls for a few weeks. DK, I knew he'd get injured, although, I yes, although I am talking to you, all right? And uh, uh, bring Saquon back when he's 100%. And I know with the two- to four-week timeline, that might as well be December. I think that, that has him back around November 22nd um, or middle of November. But guess what? Oh, no, it would be the 22nd, right? Because... Uh, if he's out the four weeks, I mean, the fans will know it'll be hard to win a game without Saquon because we play the Rams, uh, is it the Rams, Panthers, uh, and Raiders over the next four weeks. But if you got to hold out Saquon, you know, through the next four games and then bring him out after the bye, I mean, I'd, I'd rather that than re-aggravate an injury, you know. We need this kid to look right when he's on the field is my point. You know, and as long as Jones isn't missing five games in a row with a concussion like Chef did a few years ago, we'll have a shot. I, I've digressed a bit. Where, where the hell was I before the injury talk? All right, uh, shots to the temple, right? So the Cowboys didn't stunt nearly as much as I thought they would, uh, but they didn't need to. Randy Gregory looked like the goddamn Hulk for about three full quarters. Shit, almost everyone on the D-line disrupted plays when they were attacking, you know, just straight up, just pick a direction and go. Uh, Hernandez had a few plays where he didn't get any push on a run block. I, I mean, Pert was okay when he wasn't blocking Gregory or Parsons, and he was okay a couple of snaps against Parsons. Uh, Skura, Price, Solder, they all had at least at least a couple of plays each where they were either close enough to make DJ scramble or they were sitting in Glennon's lap like he was Urban Meyer in an Ohio bar. You know, Van Der Esch still look kind of slow to me. That's my opinion. But he and Parsons both, you know, they were both able to make plays. You had four rushers against five uh, blockers. And dudes were still, you know, squeezing the pocket. Still getting pressure. These guys didn't need to stunt as much as, as I thought they would. And fucking evident they felt that way. Really, the only Giants uh, who I saw match in that kind of veracity were Reggie Raglan and Cardarius Tony. Reggie Raglan had a hell of a game. Uh, sorry, can I toot my own horn for a second? I called a few things before this game, and I, I can honestly say those were unbiased because I didn't really listen to any other podcasts before I recorded. Uh, I've been trying to, uh, when I do record, I've been trying to do that, so I don't, if I do say similar things to other podcasts, it's just, hey, Either they're obvious or it's like-minded thinking, not because I'm trying to crib off anybody. And I, you guys know already know if I'm cribbing notes off of somebody or, hey, I heard this and I didn't think about that, I, I try to, you know, cite my sources uh, whenever that happens. And anyway, I think I got like 80% of it right. 80? Uh, all right, maybe 60. Uh, the stunts, 
you know, I'll call it as wrong since I thought that was going to be an almost every down thing. And I think I underestimated how helpful our tight ends could be, you know, just blocking, you know, or doing their job in general in case of Kyle Rudolph, damn it, Rudolph, um, could be in blocking their front seven. Uh, but I think I was more than right about Carter and Ojolari being the key components to stop in the run, at least as far as zone plays are concerned. The Cowboys had a few big plays where they broke off big runs on cut on the cutback, um, and the Giants uh, had a few stops when they when those two played it right. Uh, I also think I was right about the Giants needing to be aggressive to keep up, although it's kind of obvious. And although in the end, DJ and Saquon getting hurt made that a moot point. Uh, I think I was right that it, taking too long to score points made it so they were chasing the lead the entire fucking game. Just because the Cowboys were way more efficient on their drive in terms of scoring points, putting points up uh, on a per drive basis, you know the, the Giants were were chasing points the entire game. You know, um, it, they, shit, they didn't score until the second quarter, and yet and yet again, missed tackles in the backfield fucking killed us. I called it. I think Love alone had three missed tackles on Dak, or three missed sacks on Dak because he didn't, you know, break down on the approach and line up the tackle. He just came in full speed and fuck it. You know, I'll move him. I'll make him step up. Ooh. You know, how many tackles against Zeke and, and Pollard, too, to an extent, you know, where guys are hitting him with the arms and then they're just running right through and getting yards where they're not getting off of their blocks fast enough and, you know, instead of catching a guy in the hips or, you know, aiming at that outside thigh, they're they're dangling for ankles. It just, it drove me up the nuts. And I was also right about Tony. Whoo, was I right about the Cowboys not being equipped to handle him. That man finished with 10 catches on 13 targets for 189 yards and a world boxing title. I mean, he would have had a pass for at least 12 yards, too, if Booker didn't fuck up the catch. And I know uh, when I was re-watching that, it looked to me like the throw hung for a little bit. Maybe it did, but I, you know, looked it up. I did, I did the math on, a you know, just the dimensions of an NFL field, and the numbers are about 25 yards apart from the insides of the numbers. So Tony's throwing it from the other side of the numbers, uh, you figure that really makes it like 26, 27 yards, you know, 75, 80 feet, something like that. It's not a bad throw for a quarter, you know, for a guy who hasn't played quarterback since high school. Like I mentioned earlier, none of that shit matters anyway because too many players got injured too early, right? Personally, I gave up on the game as soon as Jones left the game with a concussion. I just, I just, didn't see a way the Giants could keep up with the Cowboys with anyone but, you know, Daniel Jones under center. And that's not to say Glennon is terrible, but he's just, he's he's one of those guys that's on the wrong side of, like, that minimum requirement to be, like, a one-year bridge quarterback. He's not terrible for a backup, but he's definitely not somebody you want starting long-term. Better than Colt McCoy, worse than Andy Dalton his last year in, in Cincinnati. We'll put, we'll put him in that gap right there. The Giants were going to need to keep putting points up to have a shot here. So, again, as soon as DJ left, I, the game was done for me. You know, 
after that, uh, Glennon after that Glennon fumbled a snap on their first drive in the third uh, on third and four, uh, so they had to go for a field goal, which I knew was going to happen. Uh, let me clarify: I didn't know Glennon was going to fumble the ball. That's not what I mean. I just didn't think they were going to score a touchdown. You know. I'm, after that, you know, they were they were down only, what, 13 to 17? So, I mean, I guess you can make the argument that they weren't out of the game until the Diggs interception on the next on the Giants' next offensive drive. And even then, they were only down two scores. But I think that's stretching it, you know, for even most hopeful fans, even th- those of us that are delusional. You go down two scores against the Cowboys— and you're not forcing, you're not capitalizing on turnovers, you're probably not going to fucking win the game. <laughs> and we're going to pretend like you guys didn't notice that edit uh, pro tip for amateur podcasters out there. Turn your ringer off when you're recording. Uh, where did I leave off? Oh, the interception, right? Uh, speaking of which, I don't think this needs to be said to you guys, but in case Troy Aikman has finished blowing his former team long enough to listen to this podcast, I know you're not listening, but you know, one can dream. Uh, I'll say it anyway. That Diggs interception was not a fantastic play by Diggs, all right? What did Aikman call it? Deion Sanders-like? Come on, bro. Sounded like Buck was talking about Diggs when he said, he is a vacuum, right before that ad break. But really, I think he saw Jerry Jones get up and unzip, and what he was really talking about was Aikman's mouth. CJ Board burned Diggs on that play, all right? Start the finish. You can see it on the broadcast view. Like, go back to it. You see it on, if, if you can deal with that sort of, relive in that sort of pain. Uh, you can see it on the broadcast view that Diggs made the mistake of fake and press and trying to get depth just before the snap. Uh, he goes from press to uh, three yards different by the time the ball is snapped. Um, and right before Glennon finishes his drop, and Diggs and Board are just about to be off screen. Board's already closed the distance to a yard or just under that. He's still gaining speed. Like, Board is sneaky fast. There's a reason why he's he's on special teams. That's why he's a, a gunner. That's why he returns punts, all right? He is fast, sneaky fast. The safety help that Diggs was expecting completely fucks it up. He goes and uh, plays... Uh, boards route like he's running a go and boards really running a deep post and if you freeze frame the second before they're back on or the se- the second they get back on screen you already you, you see board has a full two steps at least maybe two and a half steps on digs with nothing but grass on the inside or on the field side of uh of the the play from him even if glennon still underthrows it right if he puts that further in the middle of the field and he gets bored in stride, that's all bored and a score right there. Honestly, the only thing I can criticize Bored about on that play is just not committing OPI. Like that sounds ridiculous, but he knew before he hit the hash mark, that first hash mark, that that ball was underthrown. Like you see him as soon as almost as soon as he's back on screen from the broadcast view, he's slowing down already. And he knew Diggs had leverage. I mean, fuck it. Take the penalty. I mean, that pretty much sums up the game. Guys got injured. All hope was lost. They tried. Some guys went off. Tony went the fuck off. Reggie Ragland had a good game, but otherwise it was 
it felt like an exercise in futility, guys. Anyway, uh, we're almost 20 minutes in. I'm going to take a quick break here. When I come back, I'll take you through a few plays that really stood out to me. There's good and bad in there. Uh, and we'll take a look at how I did uh, on picks this weekend. Back in a second. And we're back with the Just a Giants Fan Podcast. Follow me on Twitter at JAGF Podcast. Uh, if you're listening to this, you already know where to find it. But for those of you just hearing it for the first time, this is available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, uh, and uh, Google. Hey, this segment, I got three plays I want to take a look at. One's good, one's bad, and one is absolutely excellent, uh, in my opinion. You guys heard me last episode. Was it last episode or the one before? I'm basically at this point just because of the rough start in scouting mode. You know, I'm looking for little nuggets of who will and who won't be here next. I mean, it's pretty apparent, you know, when certain guys' contracts are up, they're probably not going to be back with the next, you know, front office. But I'm looking for nuggets on. You know, how the young guys are doing, how are they developing, how are some of our, you know, older but not quite old veterans, how are they doing? You know, are they continuing to develop? How are they sharpening up their game? How are things working, you know, on a play-to-play basis? I'm looking for those kinds of things. So, let's go through this. Uh, the first one's uh, quick and easy. It's the Carter pick from Dallas's opening drive. Uh, but the Carter pick, to me, and I bring this up just because it almost looks designed. I say that because, so on this play, uh, Carter attacks the left tackle's left side, uh, Carter's right side, uh, and Ryan, uh, Logan Ryan's blitzing on that same side. They're both going in the same direction. It doesn't really make sense to have them both hit that out wide. Uh, But then, you know, Carter mid uh, rush uh, drops into the flat when he sees, I think it was Elliott, release into the flat. You know, the other key for me, uh, that by itself isn't anything. Maybe it's just the guy making a good play. But, like, you see Crowder, who looks like he should be in man on Elliott, hesitates when Elliott goes out into the flat. You know, um, to me, that kind of signals baiting uh, Dak to throw it to the flat like they like to, uh, you know, early to get the, the, the their cadence going. But... Uh, yeah, to me, it, it looked planned. It looked like something that they had accounted for, just given those couple of those couple of cues. Um, and listen, if it was on purpose, good play call and good uh, game planning, or at least at that point by Graham. I didn't really have a problem with Graham overall for for the game. I know some of you are pissed because the defense let up forty four points, but guess what? It's Dallas, and the offense wasn't staying on the field. All right. Um, and either way, planned and not, fantastic job by Carter. Uh, not only did he deflect the ball, you know, get his hands up like you want to interfere with the pass, but he also kept his eyes on that shit and made the interception. So that's a, a good play by Carter, uh, who these days isn't necessarily just a pass rusher or a run stopper. He's, he's really kind of turning into a, a all-around outside linebacker, even if he does kind of disappear for certain stretches of time. You know, he's, it's the little things that are, he's getting better at. And this is just one of those occurrences that happen to, to happen more often, the better you get. That leaves us with the bad play, right? So, <clears throat> Hurts just talking about this. The bad play was the 15-yard rush by Zeke earlier in the game. And this is where the other shoe with, with Carter drops, right? 
1358 left in the second quarter. This play encapsulates almost everything that went wrong with the Giants in a single play. Uh, the Cowboys are in YY towards the field side, and that's a, a formation that that the Cowboys love to run. They'll throw or run out of that, you know, out of that formation. Uh, the Giants are giving a cover two man look with four guys in the box, and I say four guys. There's, there's more guys near the line of scrimmage and crowded near the middle of the play, but that's four guys being uh, the guys between the tackles. Not counting the two lined up over the tight ends or Raglan, who's who was lined up you know, wide nine on the boundary side of the play. Uh, their right tackle is telegraphing a zone run to the weak side. And he's staring Raglan down because he knows he's got to get there to go block him. Uh, and the Cowboys run inside zone to the weak side. Everyone in the box commits hard to the weak side run. Uh, no one fills the backside C gap, including Crowder, who's a lone second-level defender and not reading, you know, where the blocks are going and how they're developing. He just commits to the fucking play side. Uh, and Ojolari can't get off his blocker in time to make a play. So I guess it's really more about um, Ojolari than it is with Carter. Um, all that leads to Zeke cutting back for a 15-yard rush. And fuck, you know? Like I said, everything went wrong during the game in one play. Good play call by the uh, other team. Can't fucking do anything about that. Or you can, but (laughs) it's a good play call by the Cowboys. You know, breakdown in fundamentals. Guys aren't reading how the play's developing in front of them. They're just like, oh, shit, ball's going that way. I guess I'll commit. Uh, And you know what? Just getting straight up beat on the line. I'm pretty sure uh, Tyron Smith... Fucking pop Danny Shelton, who's about the same weight as he is, uh, popped him back about four or five yards. It's just, it was gross to watch. It was a really, really bad play. It irritated me. Anyway, I'm going to wash that down and make it go away with uh, the excellent play that I liked. And this is the one, honestly, it, I would have just went over this if I didn't need to fill the time and felt the need to do a good, a bad, and the great. Anyway, so the last one's an excellent play by Aziz. I think like right after that, uh, first and 10, 13, 23 left in the second. Uh, Dallas's ball, obviously. Uh, Dallas lines up in a two-by-two with the tight ends in line on both sides. Again, another formation that they like to both run and pass out of. Uh, It's an even formation, too, so it's not really... uh, It's kind of hard to diagnose what side the play is going to go, especially if it's more towards the middle of... uh, In between the hash marks, like I think it was. I can't really tell if... um, I want to highlight this uh, play because it's pretty much what I love about Ojolari to a team. I can't really tell if they're running zone or duo just from the broadcast view because it's kind of hard to see if there's a front, if they intend to have a front side double team um, on the play side. And, uh, but to me, it looks like inside zone to the left. Inside zone, yeah, to the, uh, well, they were kind of in the middle. Anyway, it looks like an inside zone to the left. That's all that matters. Ojolari is on the play side of the line, uh, or ends up being on the play side of the line, and he's the last man off the ball by like a tick. You see the other three guys, uh, the other three defensive linemen just get off the ball a tick before he does. Um, that's not the good part. 
Tyron Smith, who just got, like I mentioned before, just got done blowing up Danny Shelton, uh, comes in hauling ass straight at Algelari. And Algelari, that does something that you never want to do if you're on either side of the line, right? Offense or defense. It's it's something that made me sweat when I was looking at it <laughs> at first. So what he does is he ducks his fucking head. Like, ultimately, I get why he does it. He's trying to, you know, first and foremost, he's trying to brace for the freight train that is Smith coming right at him and get low at the same time, you know. Um, but even though he, he does something that, like, just watching tape makes you sweat for a second, it's for a reason. You know, aside from aside from just trying to absorb the impact, first thing he does that's fantastic is he actually succeeded in getting a leverage advantage and not just getting washed down by Tyron or by by Smith. All right, um, forces a stalemate against a tackle who is eighty listed eighty pounds heavier than him. Holy shit! And he doesn't give up an inch uh, uh, at the point of contact. It's just. If for nothing else, holy shit, kudos. This kid is strong. Next, he uh, he shifts his weight from his right foot without giving up and without giving up ground, bends under Smith and pulls Smith down with him. Like, it, again, it's hard to tell from the broadcast view, but it looks like uh, Agilari got his hands inside, um, among all that, got his hands inside at contact, inside of Smith's hands. So... He gets under him. He's he's shifting his weight correctly. He's pulling Smith down and uh, down into the right, and he's throwing Smith off balance. This is a, a, a tackle who's been you know Pro Bowl level uh, most of his career, and he's got the jump on this guy. Then he repositions so he's turned back towards the open C gap, re-anchors while keeping control of Smith's chest with one hand. And throw Smith to the ground still with one hand before tackling, tackling Ezekiel Elliott for a one-yard loss. Like, this is a rookie. This is an excellent play by a rookie. He maintains control. Dude is bigger than him. Dude has a head start on, on momentum on him. And he keeps his fucking cool. Gets leverage. Scares the shit out of me for, like, a split second. Gets his hands inside. Controls Tyron Smith. And then makes the tackle, it gets in the C-gap right when the running back is committing to it and uh, uh, tackles Ezekiel Elliott basically by himself. That is an excellent fucking play. If he didn't get props for that in the film room today, somebody is fucking missing something on that coaching staff. They really are. Beautiful play by Ojalary. I want to see way more of that. I want to see more of that from all the Giants because if if they can all just fucking uh, uh, play against the run that way, maintain, uh, assume leverage, maintain control, and make a tackle, fuck, nobody's going to fucking run on us. Anyway, uh, that's pretty much all I have about the game. Let's just, let's go into picks real quick. Uh, so going into this week, I was uh, I, 31-14, and 14, uh, something like that. Uh, 31 right, 14 wrong through four weeks. Again, I don't call, I don't, I don't pick on Thursdays. Not usually. Those are fucking crapshoot. Um, Monday, Monday night games to a lesser extent, but I generally don't do Thursday night games. And I think I missed the week. So we're only going to count up to this week, 45 games. 
uh, New York Jets at Atlanta. That was a London game. I almost got this one wrong. Um, like I mentioned, London games are a crapshoot, but I had Atlanta winning. They won by seven. Uh, Detroit at Minnesota. I almost got this one wrong too. Um, I had the Vikings running away with it. They only won by two. Uh, New Orleans at uh, Washington. I had Washington by a kick. I was definitely wrong here. Saints won by 11. It feels weird being a team's get-right game without losing <laughs> the get-right game, if you will. Like, the Saints came out so much better than they did before they played the Giants, in my opinion, anyway. Um, New England at Houston. I guess that kind of isn't the definition of a get-right get game, right? The get-right game is when you play the game and you you are right for that game moving forward, but whatever. I'll, you know what I meant. Um New England at Houston, uh, I definitely got this one wrong too. Not because I got the uh, the win or loss wrong, but the Patriots played down to their competition for a whole game, not just a half. I had kind of forgotten when I made this pick that they, um, or uh, I had forgotten when I said that, that they had just traded Gilmore away. Uh, Miami at Tampa, yes, Tampa slapped the shit out of the Dolphins, so I got and I got that right. Uh, Green Bay at Cincy, so I was right about the miracle, wrong about who won. Cincinnati almost pulled off the miracle, went into overtime with Green Bay, couldn't get it done. Denver at Pittsburgh, um, I had the Steelers labeled as a mess, but they looked pretty good against Denver. Uh, Philly at Carolina, I had the Panthers bouncing back, Panthers fucking blew it. Uh, Tennessee at Jacksonville. Jacksonville is still a dumpster fire. It really shouldn't count as getting it right, but it does. Uh, Charger, uh, Cleveland at Chargers. Chargers won. Uh, add that one too, even though, you know, I don't think anyone thought Cleveland was going to win. Chicago at Las Vegas. This one hurts because of the pick. <laughs> Raiders royally blew, which should have been an easy win. Uh Pretty sure those emails wouldn't have leaked uh, if they were 4-1, or at least the Raiders wouldn't have fired uh, Gruden if, if they were 4-1. 49ers at uh, Arizona, way low, lower scoring than I thought it would be, but again, I was right here. Uh, Buffalo, Kansas City, right about this one. Buffalo spanked the shit out of the Chiefs. Uh, and earlier tonight, uh, Ravens pull off a massive comeback against the Colts. I got that one right, too. I told you. I told you. Never to bet on Wentz. <laughs> it's not hard. Don't bet on Wentz. Oh, and uh, I was almost dead on with the Dallas Giants score. It fucking sucks. And, you know, I had it 24-40 in favor, you know, for Dallas, but it was 20-44. to I was four points off. Really wish I was wrong. Anyway, so uh, this week I was, what, 10-5? and So that brings me up to 41-19. and I really got to start betting on games again. Uh, although I guess if I start betting on games, my picks are going to start <laughs> skewing really wrong because once money goes up, I don't gamble, specific, not because I don't get a kick out of it, but once I start gambling, whatever luck I had seems to go out the door. So just how the universe works for me. 
Anyway, that's our show. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, you know, I do this for fun. I don't do it because I get paid. I got no advertisers. Uh, no one pays, you know, there's no outlet paying me to do this. I'm not part of a broader uh, podcaster network. I do it because I like to talk about the Giants. Even though we've been hot garbage for a few years now, I love talking about the Giants. I love this team. I know you guys too. I hope you love this podcast. And if you do, I mean, spread the good word. Let them know. You can find this on SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, whatever the fuck it is that Apple does, and Google Play. Tell, them, tell whoever it is. Follow me on Twitter, at JAGF Podcast. Let them know this is the best damn podcast on the internet, just bar none. I know everyone says that, but I mean that. This is the best podcast. <laughs> tell your mother, your brother, your father, sister... Husband, wife, uh, tell your yoga instructor you got a Peloton or one of those bikes, you know, yell it at that fucking trainer on the screen as you're, as you're, you know, biking on your 50th minute and your 80th mile. Yell at them. Tell them, listen, Just a Giants Fan podcast. I know you're listening to it while you're on the, pot, while you're on the uh, Peloton. Yell it to them so they know too. Just a Giants Fan podcast. Oh, and if you got any comments, compliments, questions, concerns, anything like that, email me at justagiantsfanpodcast at gmail.com. I know that's a mouthful, but hey, it's worth it. Shoot me a message. Anyway, I'll see you guys uh, next week. We'll talk soon.